Alright you absolute legends, welcome to another episode of A Need to Read. I've got a book review for you today. It's by Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino. It's a collection of seven essays on self-delusion. The subtitle is Reflections on Self-Delusion. We all delude ourselves in one way or another and it's quite good to have the light shone on the parts of us that we can't quite see ourselves. And she's articulated all of the issues very, very well in this book. I'm going to be talking about a few of the essays in this podcast, but mostly I want to leave it up to you to read the book because it is pretty banging. Now, before we start the podcast, of course, let's just pay the bills. Um, I'd like to pay the bills with you signing up to my email list, uh, if I'm completely honest, because I'm starting to write a little bit more and hopefully I'm getting better. I use my email list just to kind of work out what I think about the stuff that I've recently been reading. So if you're not signed up, there is a link in the description. Also, this podcast is sponsored by a couple companies, BetterHelp and Athletic Greens. BetterHelp, they provide online therapy service to millions of people all over the world. And therapy, talking therapies, whether online or face-to-face, seems to have a profound impact on people's mental well-being. Now, if you are struggling with your mental health at the moment, whether anxiety, depression, or your mind's just running amok and you can't seem to control it or manage it, speaking to a professional is probably going to be profoundly helpful for you too. You can go to betterhelp.com forward slash need to read, fill out a five minute questionnaire, you'll be matched with a therapist to suit your needs, you get some choice over what their gender is, what their speciality is, what kind of things you want to talk about, what kind of approach you'd like to have. It's really, really simple to get it set up and it takes about five or ten minutes. Head to betterhelp.com forward slash need to read that's 10% off as well. What a treat. Now, with Athletic Greens, you get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your monthly subscription. What is Athletic Greens? It's an all-in-one shake. You take it in the morning on an empty stomach and you feel good throughout the day because the most likely scenario is you're quite like me and your diet isn't as varied as it should be. I don't really like vegetables too much. That's why Athletic Green suits me because there's no way that I'm cramming in the 75 minerals, vitamins, prebiotics probiotics and adaptogens that they put in their shakes if you're kind of like that maybe head to athleticgreens.com forward slash or need to read and you will get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin d on top of your monthly subscription now without further ado let's just have a quick chat about trick mirror so i read this book pretty much over a weekend and I got really sucked into it because Gia Tolentino is an amazing writer. She's a staff writer at The New Yorker and she was editor at Jezebel, um, contributing editor at Hairpin and has also worked with The New York Times as well. But this book, Trick Mirror, was a Times book of the year, a Guardian book of the year. It was a New York Times bestseller as well. It really performed pretty well because she addressed some topics that needed to be spoken about. Her seven essays in the book cover topics from uh, rape on campuses in the US, from fraternities, covers the internet, covers reality TV, covers how women always have to be optimizing, covers marriage, covers quite a few things. Stuff that I haven't thought about because maybe you are or aren't aware I identify as a man and I happen to have a penis too and I don't know what it's like to be a woman and um, I speak to a lot of women, got a lot of lady friends um, and not in that way because, you know, I read too many books to have a proper lady friend but 
they don't quite articulate the experience quite as well as Gia Tolentino has. And that's no wonder, right? I'm not saying there's anything against the ladies in my life and how they speak about what it's like to be a woman, but Gia Tolentino has been writing since she was like four years old. She fucking loves it. And she has edited this. She worked on it for years. And these essays are honestly fucking brilliant. So, all other people with penises who identify as men, I would just like to say, I think you should read this book purely because... It's so eye-opening to shine a light on the experiences, essentially, that you're never going to go through. So that's my bit of advice for you. You don't have to take it, but if you do, you're going to read the book and you're probably going to enjoy it. I'm going to talk about a few of the essays. The first one is The Eye in the Internet. And she starts off by talking about her obsession with the internet. And the internet came about when she was younger and she fucking loved it. No wonder. Everyone loves the internet because it's fucking amazing. It gives you exactly what you want. But she very soon became obsessed with like instant messaging apps. And I remember when I was younger on MSN after school and just messaging people all the fucking time. And I'm gutted about that because, I mean, I could have been living a little bit more, but I chose to be on MSN. This is the danger of the internet with kids because I think kids, um, I mean, they're kids. They're not smart enough to know better. Um, and they don't want to listen to adults because it's particularly uncool to a child that you're telling them not to go on the internet, which is kind of beside the point, right? This essay looks at the way like we deal with the internet and the deal actually that we get from the internet. And what she means when she's talking about the deal we get from the internet is we use most things on the internet for free, right? And we essentially pay with our attention and we pay with our data. We give it to them in exchange for memes, Instagram, a need to read. Like most of my stuff on Instagram, I hate using Instagram at the moment because honestly I think Mark Zuckerberg and Meta are evil. But I capture your attention essentially and I try and sell you an idea and that's what they're doing. And that's kind of what society is, is modelled off nowadays. Everyone has to be a good performer on the internet to get people to do stuff and it's quite a weird new phenomena right the internet does so many weird things to us pushes us into echo chambers we kind of control what we see by following the people that we follow and liking the stuff that we like and the algorithms very cleverly work out exactly what we want to see and what's going to keep us on the apps the longest Gia Tolentino thinks this is a con she thinks that we're being scammed by the owners of these massive corporations. People like Mark Zuckerberg, I'm going to talk a little bit further in depth about Mark Zuckerberg early, later, but they're just using your attention, sadly. And I get it, it's lovely, you get to keep in contact with your family who are far away and your friends who you haven't seen in a while, but it does come at a cost, and that cost is your attention. The Eye on the Internet essay was fucking brilliant. I'd recommend reading that if you can get hold of it on the internet. She's probably had bits of this book put out in articles um, with different publications, so maybe that's worth looking into if you're not looking at buying the book. Um, on the subject of buying the book, by the way, I know we're only seven minutes in, but if, you're, if your appetite is suitably wet, then this is free on Kindle Unlimited. I've got Kindle Unlimited. I love it um, more because... There's like old philosophy books on there. But I realised this was free the other day. So I swapped from reading the paperback over to my Kindle. 
So the second essay in the book is called Reality TV Me. Now, Gia Tolentino, when she was 16, actually went on to reality TV. Uh, She didn't make a career out of it and nothing kind of happened afterwards, but she did have an experience on there. And she saw kind of like the faux reality of, of reality TV and how these producers try and force you down certain avenues for basically people's entertainment. That was a really good essay, but I'm not going to talk about it too much because wary of ruining the book. An essay that I found probably the most enlightening in the book was called Always Be Optimizing. And it relates to how women in society have to, you guessed it, always be optimizing. Now, I do think this applies to society as a whole. But from me as a man, it doesn't seem to be as hard when you're a straight white male to deviate from what society expects from you. I understand that some people might find it pretty hard um, who are straight white males, but it doesn't seem that straight white men get scrutinised anywhere near as much as women do when it comes to going against the grain. So... This is where it's like, fellas, listen up. This is what women have to go through. You kind of don't really have to do this. And if you don't do this, the implications aren't as severe. So what am I talking about? In this way, it's talking about like fitting the ideals. It says she talks about how the ideal woman has to be like beautiful. She has to be clever. She has to be caring, kind, like motherly. The list goes on of all these things, silky hair, like, I mean, I've never seen it written down before or really thought about it too much, which slap on the wrist for me. I should have thought about it sooner, but reading this book has has been super, like, eye-opening. She talks about this in relation to brands like Lululemon, right? Lululemon, ladies love Lululemon, yoga spats whatever you call them leggings god i don't know maybe i'm getting old but it holds it all in right i'm guessing that's the idea if you fit lululemon leggings then i guess you're lucky and you can buy some but obviously they come at quite a large cost which is quite a barrier to entry for a lot of people in the world considering like 50 percent of the world are on like two dollars a day It doesn't seem to be a particularly inclusive brand, Lululemon. I think it's quite elitist. The owner of Lululemon, who is a man, by the way, said that certain women aren't meant to wear it. And if they can't, they should exercise enough so they should. It's like a constant cycle of motivation to be in the best shape of your life so that you can fit in and look good in Lululemon leggings. That, I had no idea, would be a talking point for feminism actually that's not true i did have an idea of that but not to the extent in which it actually is done so gym clothes they're kind of god it's hard to talk about feminism as a as a bloke just to let you know it's so hard for me uh, as a man to talk about this because i don't want to slip up but hopefully my shitty explanation of these beautiful essays is going to be enough motivation for you to read the book she talks about chopped salads, right? And one of my favourite places in Bondi, I think it's called like Fish Bowl, and it's a rice bowl place, and everything's super efficient there. 
everything you're able to eat with one hand so you can be browsing the internet with another. She talks about this kind of optimization, optimization of food hauls, optimization of life. This is where she's not just talking about um, women here. This is this talking about society in general. Everything we do is optimized for speed and efficiency and productivity to essentially serve a system that doesn't really serve us. Which is, is kind of bullshit, right? Like all this fast food is like, right, get this food in your fucking gullet as quickly as possible and then you can get back to work. You silly little proletariat. It's not great, is it? When we think about it like that, all of these things that make us uh, efficient actually seem to just be making us better at working for the man, as it were. And I don't want to sound like Russell Brand, um, but I will talk about Russell's brand a little bit later. One of our other essays is on pure heroines, which I quite liked. It was about the female representation in literature. And the way that she looks at this is that when a woman or a female character is written into a book, she always represents the female experience. Whereas when a male protagonist is in the book, it represents the human experience. And I haven't thought about this before. And then I thought about it, and it seems to be the case that only one book I've ever um, read with a female protagonist has kind of shown the human experience. And that was Matt Haig's book, uh, The Midnight Library, of uh, Nora C., the main, main character in that, which, weirdly enough, I guess was written by a guy. There's something to think about. The next essay that she wrote was called Ecstasy, and it was on her relationship with drugs um, and how that kind of got her out of the church because she grew up in Texas. Texas, super, super conservative, super gaudy, basically, very Christian. She went to a school that had a church nearby that could hold 6,500 people. That is a lot of people to be bothering God on a Sunday, you know? In one bloody church. I think it's it must be mega different in America, the churches that they have there in, in comparison to in, in the UK. I'm not Christian or religious, don't know if you've uh, picked up that vibe, but I don't see anything in the UK of like massive mega churches that are like really, really well funded uh, by obviously all the community and have this like really eccentric like pastor, um, pastor, that is not pastor with an A, who leads it. So that was pretty good essay, talking about drugs, talking about ecstasy, uh, talking about how hip-hop influenced her and, and made her try some drugs, which I find quite endearing. Right? I like it when people talk openly about this shit because most people think that, oh, very few people do drugs. I would say fucking loads of people do drugs. And most people who you know will, will have done drugs or will do at some point in their life. And I think it's time that as a society we just get over that as long as it's not dangerous and as long as we're not putting ourselves in in danger and and we're being careful as careful as you can be i guess people should kind of be left to do what they want uh and if you'd like to read a book about drugs chasing the scream by johan hari is brilliant and it's all about how the war on drugs is a solely negative thing one of my favorite chapters in this book is called the um seven scams of our generation so that is an essay, which is weirdly about seven scams that have happened in her lifetime. One of them that she mentioned is Fire Festival. 
And the guy who ran Fire Festival had said that we're selling a pipe dream to the average loser. She likens that to big businesses and us, the general society, being the average loser. And I don't think it's that she's actually being mean and calling us like the average loser. It's just that's how we're seen maybe by the super rich. Which I don't know many people who are super rich. Um, but that that could well be what they think. I, I wouldn't know. You have to remember with Fire Festival and these type of scams, there were lots of high-profile influencers who were on board with this, like Kendall Jenner, Gigi Hadid. Lots, lots of these like favourite kind of poster girls for Instagrammers were involved in their scam. That was like the, actually the most embarrassing scam ever. It fell apart completely. And then they made a documentary out of it and gave the guy a load of money, which is fucking stupid, but they did it. So she talks about Fire Festival. She talks about girl bosses. Now, I spoke to Simeon Brown about this a little bit um, in the podcast Get Rich or Die Trying. Lie Trying, sorry. There is a... This is not me, by the way. I have read this. It's come from a lady. But there seems to be a lot of women out there who are presenting this like faux feminist narrative of I'm going to get as fucking rich as possible and I'm going to get to the top and it doesn't seem to be like hey guys let's all go and and be treated equally and and kind of abolish sexism so I'm just going to get to the top and fuck everyone else I'm going to step on everyone to get there and she talks about the CEO of Nasty Girl who actually turns out is quite the nasty girl um you might have seen people on Instagram who were like be really trying to get some free clothes or something like nasty girls do it best with their hashtags um but like it's i don't think they actually do do it best nasty girls i think kind people do it best but maybe that's because i'm a fucking idiot man a cis white het man idiot i don't know someone might uh tell me that that's the case But what Nasty Girl does is dress people in a certain way and kind of make them believe that it's going to make them photogenic and confident, therefore the best version of themselves. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know for sure, but I'm taking a stab in the dark, that feminism isn't about being really photogenic and confident and about the prettiest girls getting ahead. I don't know if that's what it's about. I don't know if that's not what it's about. I'm just asking a question. Look at me just darting around this topic. I'm pathetic. Um, I don't. I don't know too much on this, and I, and I look. It's not my place to say what women do and what women don't do. Um, but she does also speak about this in in the book about how some women will say something and then just be protected by the feminist narrative when actually they've just been a bit of a fucking idiot. And I like that. I like that she gives a relatively balanced view on a topic that she could have easily been unbalanced on because the situation itself, the patriarchy, um, sexism, like women being oppressed, it's not a fair narrative. It doesn't actually seem to be fair. I've spent a little bit of time listening to Jordan Peterson really recently and that that's one thing um, that I can't really seem to get behind of his ideas is that men have it worse than women. I, I don't know who has it worse. I don't really know if it has to be a competition, but from reading this book and my lived experience as a man, I'm not a gay man um, or a man of colour. I'm a white man, so things would be probably particularly easy for me. 
to reading this book, it's been quite shocking actually to see what other people go through and I get a relatively easy ride. But not focusing on the females for a moment and focusing on social media. Now Mark Zuckerberg, at the time of her writing this book, she claims was 5 million times richer than the median American household. She claimed that was about 11k and he had about 55 million um 55 million times richer, sorry. 55 billion, Jesus. He's now actually worth 77 billion. Um which is, which is in a very large sum of money for one person to have. I did the calculation. It looks at it's over 10 million times as much as the average household um, in the US, which is not good when you think about it. For one person to hold that much more than everybody doesn't seem like a fair distribution of wealth. It's worth thinking about, isn't it? If you are super, super rich... I don't know this because I'm not super, super rich, but isn't isn't there a point when you're like, well, fucking hell, I've got enough here. Maybe I could just help some people in need. I don't know. I don't know how these people work. I'm not very business-minded. I don't know if you can tell that. So me trying to get into the head of Mark Zuckerberg is, is pretty pointless, really, because I haven't got a fucking clue. But what I do know about Mark Zuckerberg is just how evil he is. So... Let's think about kids again for a moment. Kids are pretty vulnerable, right? Kids don't really know what they're doing. Really, neither do adults, but kids even more so. Mark Zuckerberg and his company very recently have given a load of schools across the United States this software. And this software is apparently going to measure their well-being and emotions. I don't know how it's meant to do that. They are very kindly giving this software out to free to thousands of schools across the U.S., all they want in return is the data. That seems fishy to me. Knowing how they use data to manipulate us currently in terms of ads, in terms of the content we see, how it's been used to drive like political unrest in different countries, for them to be taking that data from children, who, let's face it, I'm sure they'd be giving that data to them willingly through Fortnite or whatever else they play. But I don't think this should be allowed in schools. Someone is complicit in this, and I don't think it's a very good idea. So, um, well, I'm glad glad she shone a light on this, because I didn't really know. But she likens these kind of, like, big tech organisations, people like Mark Zuckerberg, people who ran Fire Festival, uh, that girl boss who, who runs Nasty Girl, She-E-O. She likens them to a man called William Thompson, and he was actually the first con man which obviously is short for confidence man. And he was around in New York around the 1840s slash 50s. And he'd go out to people and he'd say, do you have confidence in me to look after your watch until tomorrow? And then people would just give them their watch until the next day. And obviously old William, Bill, Willie, would just fuck off with their watch. And he'd, he'd got on, he'd conned them. And since then, cons have got a lot worse. But she says, when you look at a con man... A real con man doesn't actually ask you what they want. They make you feel lucky to be lucky enough to get whatever it is you need from them to give them something. As in, they'll make you lucky enough to give them something. So like, let's say Instagram. We give phone number, email, location, photos of ourselves, private messages of people over. And we're lucky to do so because we get to follow all our friends and families. 
that's the kind of vibe that this scam and this con that's that's the level that it's on currently and i don't think that's a very good level to be at right there's another essay in this book which is brilliant and i don't want to go into it too much because it's quite a sensitive topic um but she's talking about rape cases at virginia university rape cases at virginia university were twice as prevalent on campus than they were in other parts of the town and it was mostly run by fraternities and at frat parties where women would be getting drugged and raped, gang raped that is, by a bunch of cunts in fraternities. I don't think fraternities and stuff like that, really, based on the evidence of past behaviour of these fraternities, should be allowed in America. But then again, I don't run these schools. There is obviously something that goes wrong when a bunch of men are together and they are drinking and they also happen to be rapist cunts people I, I, I don't know what we do to address this and it, it breaks my heart that this is still a massive thing so that was it was a, it was a tough um a tough chapter to read a really tough chapter to read i think it's a good one to be aware of um virginia university is very conservative virginia the state is super conservative as well spousal rape wasn't criminalized until 2002 now there's a uh, governor or senator there i can't remember the specifics of it but his name is dick black um who isn't black but is a dick is campaigning to legalize spousal rape that's fucking disgusting Right. There's another essay on marriage um, and she talks about like the ownership of, of the woman in the relationship in a normal heterosexual relationship. Like think of the traditions. Think how the father walks the bride down the aisle and hands her off to the husband. Think about all these weird little traditions is fucked. We're white for purity because God forbid a woman have sex before marriage. I know that's quite a religious thing, um, but it was ingrained in society until not even that long ago really not that long ago back to virginia university thomas edison was quite a famous figure there um and i think he actually founded the university he had a slave who was 16 who he repeatedly raped and had children with and he didn't ever release him from his property even just before he died when he released all her children so it took thomas edison's daughter to release his like his slave who he raped basically there's no other way to put it released her and then a year later she died that's not a great life right this was early 1800s thomas edison was about so this wasn't actually long ago in human history that this kind of stuff was going on and i know that nowadays actually we talk about like unimaginable suffering it's only unimaginable because we're not reading about it and we're not educating ourselves on what goes on or listening to people who it has happened to. It becomes very easy to imagine the extent of human suffering when you actually learn about it. And I know it seems nice to not learn about it, but like, unfortunately, if, if you have a moral compass, understanding or trying to understand the suffering that other people go through is quite an important thing to do. I now know I can't really take the lid off Pandora's box because I'm trying to learn about what happens in the world, who it happens to, who seems to be least favoured, what can we do to help. I, f I feel, I'm not virtue signalling here, like a better person for it, 
and I suggest if if maybe you aren't thinking about this stuff, maybe it's it's time to. I get it. You want to live your life. You want to have fun, and and you want to maybe be ignorant of this of this stuff. But it's it's not a good idea. And look, I'm sure most people who listen to this podcast aren't ignorant of it and are aware and are kind of reading and talking to people and doing all the things that you should do to understand what goes on in the world whilst also kind of living your life, right? I imagine you're all good people. I'm just assuming that because you like me and maybe that means that my self-esteem is higher than I ever thought. But these kind of books are super important. It makes you kinder, it opens your mind and I'll tell you what, Giaton Tino can fucking write. It is a brilliant book, so I think you should read it. I know my present bias is probably at play. The last two chapters, uh, the one on rape and the one on marriage, it wasn't specifically about rape, it was about Virginia University as a whole, um, but that seemed to be the underlying theme of the essay, was rape from fraternities. And look, someone's got to talk about it, someone's got to write about it. The other essays... Uh, always be optimizing seven scams of the generation and the iron internet they were my favorite if you read it or have read it and you've got a favorite email me let me know i'd like to talk about it if i've said anything in this episode that seems way off the mark please let me know because i am currently learning um and maybe that's my self-delusion of my excuse of being a learner but someone will tell me won't they my email is hello at need to read.co.uk which is obviously a pretty fancy email address now I've moved on from Gmail if you want to contact me ever you can email me there or you can sign up to my mailing list if you just want to hear from me have this as a one way relationship this is the end of this podcast this book is fucking brilliant I do think most people should read it um, that's it I want nothing more for you I feel like this was all over the place but I needed to talk about this book before I forgot to I hope you enjoyed it I'll be back soon Actually, after this episode, I've got an episode with a guy called Patrick Alley. And we're talking about his book, Very Bad People, which is about global corruption, which is another book that if you read it, you'll instantly feel like you're better than everybody, which is obviously great news because you'll learn about global corruption and you'll see where all the like evil in this world comes from. And it's closer to home than you think. So that episode is coming out next week. I hope you've enjoyed this one and you enjoyed the podcast with Wendy earlier in the week. I think you're all legends. Thanks for listening. Everything you'd ever need, ever, not really, is in the description of the episode. Love you, bye.